coming into a, uh, a new series called Against All Hope. Um, I think a lot of times life can feel like this, that life runs in the face of hope, that life is against all hope. And if you read this same exact phrase a different way, it's against all. We somehow can find hope. And so this phrase is just caught my imagination out of Romans chapter 4 where it says that Abraham, against all hope, Abraham in hope, believed God. What a phrase. Against all hope, Abraham in hope, believed God. I don't know if you can resonate with that, but sometimes it feels like life absolutely flies in the face of hope. That it's against all your hope. And so we're taking the next few months to unfold this tension between hope and disappointment. And I truly believe that a life of hope is impossible without coming face to face with the deep places of disappointment. And uh, as we heard last week in the middle of testimonies and ministry, the Lord doesn't want to leave anybody behind. It doesn't just have to be this morning. We're on a long journey. It's the beauty of being the church is that it's taking care of one another in all of life for all of life. And and so in this time, I just want to encourage you to be patient because love is patient, to allow the process of whatever the process is that the Father wants to do in your heart. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to have people sharing their stories in that place. And so encourage you to, to come to worship the Lord with us, to engage this space as a family. Today's message is called Open Heart to Hope. If there's one thing that I want to walk out of here today is the possible consideration that we could do that, that we could open our heart to hope. This is the beginning of a series, so I'm merely a setup man today to open up something. And I believe what we need to open up to start this is our heart, to open our heart to hope. The first question is, what is hope? The best definition I know, and there's many, is the joyful anticipation of good. The joyful anticipation of good. The confident expectation of good. This is what hope looks like. Ultimately, 1 Timothy 1, Paul says, Jesus Christ is our hope. Why such a a boast in the middle of life being so challenging and so difficult and sometimes excruciatingly painful, especially the moments when you're crumpled up on the floor and you don't know what to do or where to go? Paul makes this radical statement, Jesus Christ is our hope. In that is so much that we couldn't take an entire series to explain it. Yeah. Jesus Christ who lived the life that we could not live. That is hope. A life faithful before the Father that we were unable to do. That is hope. Jesus Christ who absorbed all of our damage in his own body and died with it and closed the story on sin and death, defeated it 
Jesus Christ is our hope. Who laid in a grave silent and on the third day rose and overcame the grave and said, grave, where is your victory? This is our hope. Jesus, who ascended to the right hand of the Father and sits there, holding our place in the presence of God so that it doesn't matter how good your quiet time was this morning. You right now, as you sit there, no matter what you are in, if you are in Christ, you are being held in the presence of God at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ, our hope. Jesus who promises, I am coming again and hope will return to the planet and all things will be made new. Jesus Christ, our hope. In fact, in Titus, Paul proclaims, that is our blessed hope. Everyone say that together. Blessed hope. That's the New King James version there. Our blessed hope. What is that? That is that ultimately the great hope is whatever story we're living in, it is going to get swallowed up in full and total shalom. That Jesus is coming back to create a new heavens and a new earth. There will be no more death and no more tears, no more pain and no more sorrow, no more sickness. Jesus Christ, our blessed hope. I love what it says in 1 Peter 1.3. It says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't know about you, but I love the mercy of Jesus. He has not given me what I deserved. He has given me himself. It was out of the greatest place of disappointment in my life, shaken to the core of who I was, that I was born anew. This resurrected God who put death in its grave. This God came in from the inside of a hopeless man and brought to birth hope inside of me. I mean, things begin to change that I was seeing. The way that I perceived my life and my future and my present pain all of a sudden changed to hope. It's not just a blessed hope. Our new birthright as believers is that we carry not only an ultimate hope, but what? A living hope. While we wait for hope eternal, we live in the anticipation that God is good in our life. We have a living hope. Romans, one of my favorite blessings in the scriptures in Romans 15 verse 13. And what this blessing declares is we don't just have a little hope for ourselves, but that because God has moved into our body, called the Holy Spirit, there is an overflowing wellspring of hope bursting from the inside of us. May the God of hope, don't you love that he's called that? The God of hope. May the God of hope fill you and me with all joy, Oh, who wants all joy? Ah, oh, who want that? All joy and peace as we trust in him. That's the delicate word, isn't it? Trust. So that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I 
in our new birthright, a living hope, not just a little for ourselves, but carrying hope for the impoverished and oppressed peoples of our city and the nations. Carrying hope for our coworker who's just lost their spouse. Carrying hope for our child who seems to be in a crisis of faith. Carrying hope for the most discouraged and disillusioned and depressed around us. But you see, we feel our lives caving in on us. We feel disappointment pressing in on us. And I wonder, are we carriers of hope for others? This is our birthright to overflow with a living hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got hearts, though. That's part of the problem. Proverbs 4.23, a famous verse. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the wellspring of life. Everyone put your hand on your heart. This heart is the battleground of hope. The next scripture says that hope deferred makes this heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Some of us have been pressed on by life so hard that we're not even sure if our heart's still here. Maybe it was left back somewhere else. This heart is the battleground of hope. It can become woefully sick with disappointment. That's that word, disappointment. It's another way to say hope deferred. So as your hand is on your heart, we're asking, heart, where are you at right now? Are you sick? Or are you overflowing with a wellspring of hope? Or is it some mixture like most of us? Heart, where are you? You can take your hand off your heart if you want to. This word disappointment. If you're a Chiefs fan, you're very familiar with this word. (laughs) Perennially disappointed. Disappointment is the... um, it's, It's when the actual experience of something doesn't match up with what we anticipate. When we long for something or want something or expect something, we anticipate that good and it doesn't happen or it falls short. It hits us so deeply. To be human is to face disappointment at some point. I don't know anyone who hasn't been hit by disappointment. No one's immune from it in the human condition. It always seems to lurk around the corner waiting. And it hits hard. And it hits deep. And possibly the stronger expectations are in life, the more you face this disappointment. 
The more you've been willing to risk or see or believe for a good in your future, maybe the more you've gotten hit with it. The more you've hoped that this year the Chiefs will make it to the Super Bowl. I make light of it, but on this spectrum is my sports team can never win to the deepest, darkest places that just take the wind out of us. And, and there's a, another voice when you get hit with that disappointment that life serves up. It's the voice of an enemy. And he aims to distance you from God and divide you from others and ultimately drown you. It's like the waters are coming up of disappointment and you're struggling to breathe. It's like a boxer and the boxer's hitting you with body blows one after another. It's not the knockout punch. It's just slowly working you down until you can't breathe anymore and there's nowhere to go but down to the mat. Spinning. And uh, this enemy doesn't play fair. He's always there to jump on the back. And disappointment comes when we misplace our expectations. I've done that so many times in my life. But it also comes when we rightly place our expectations. And those are the really challenging ones, aren't they? And the question of this whole morning is, will we dare to open our heart to hope again? Over and over and over, will we trust our heart to God? And nobody in this room can answer that question for you. And it's a real question. We can't sugarcoat over this thing like, oh, we're Christians. Of course we hope in God. Because I've watched how deep it runs, how painful it is. And simple answers don't suffice there. This word, disappointment. Last summer, I went through this Leadership day, one-on-one with like a, a business life coach kind of guy. I'm interested in how the kingdom of God fills the spheres of society. As we've been placed in PlexPod, I know that God has called Nava to put him on display in every realm of life at the crossroads of society. And I was going through a personal day they call best fit of here's your personality and here's how you work with team. And it was beautiful. Eight hours I walked through this. And at the end of the day, this guy, um, he was rehearsing my story. I had to do a life timeline of painful places and places of breakthrough. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I was into it. It was leadership development. And he said, uh, we sat down at the very end and we were rehearsing the day. And he said, hey, would you mind if Jesus showed you your heart? And I thought, that's a really weird way to end like a leadership development business day, you know. <laughs> And so I just was not into it. I'm like, I'm not in counselor mode. I'm like, I'm in like, this is my personality, ENFJ. You know, this is how teams work. And he's like, could we just 
see if Jesus would show you your heart. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I can't say no necessarily. I'm a pastor. <laughs> so he said, do you want to hold your heart? And, and uh, I immediately saw a picture of holding my heart and guarding my heart at the same time. And I said to God, no, I don't want to hold my heart. I want you to hold my heart. He was like, okay, give your heart to the Father. So I gave my heart to the Father in my own imaginary world, feeling nothing except weird. And uh, have you been there, those counseling moments? Dave's been there every day. Um, It might be good for you to go to a counselor every day. Um, and, uh, And so I took a look at my heart, and there was a huge thorn sticking out of it. I wasn't crying in the moment. I just, it was, it was less emotional. I said, but I see a thorn sticking out of my heart. And he said, okay, ask the father, what's the thorn? So I said, father, what's the thorn? <laughs> and the father said, the thorn is disappointment. And he said, will you let the father take the thorn out? I said, I don't even know how it got there. I didn't even know it was there. Okay, Father, will you take the thorn out? And I don't think that happened in a prayer moment. Um, I started thinking back over the last year, and I started thinking of just body blows of disappointment. You know, I I thought about um, Gary Patinay, who he fought for, you know, and believed that the Lord is going to meet him and now hope is, hope is eternal and it's there. But man, that, that one just really hit us. And I thought about uh, Doug Vokland and losing Doug, you know. And I thought about Jen Boonder, who I just pray, keep praying for. She battles Lyme's disease and for two and a half years, you know. And uh, I thought of, uh, you know, Abigail Mayers getting a, a hopeless diagnosis over her brain. And I thought of Alora Santiago fighting for her life with cancer. And I thought of baby Benjamin and just how how deep that hit our body. And I've I've never seen a church rise like that. I mean, it was beautiful, man. But I just, you could feel, you could just feel the bam, bam, just body blows to the body of Christ. And, uh, and it's, it's real and it's deep. Kathleen Powell with cancer and Jesse Chettle. And this is all like in a year to two years. And uh, I thought about friends moving and the Lord calling them and just the depth of that. And I just, I just, let myself go there. Like, it's there. Disappointment's there. And um, we went on sabbatical, and I felt that whisper of the Father saying, uh, hey, it'd be good to talk about this. And I'm like, I just want to enjoy and have fun. Like, I don't want to talk about this. And sitting with the Father and Him going, hey man, it's there. Like, do you want to give it to me or not? And so, having some days where I just, I just let God have it. Like, 
We moved into Plexpot, and man, it's been hard. And I kind of knew that. Like, if you get a seven-year journey with a dream to front-load it, like, it's probably something, reason you're going to need that. But guys, it's just been hard. And he's spoken over a city, and man, has God done a powerful work in our hearts. But I'm dreaming over oppressed peoples in Kansas City. And to be honest, sometimes I just feel like I'm barren or we're barren. And I could just feel disappointment right there in my heart. And I could feel the enemy going, you're never going to bear fruit. What are you doing? Just quit. Just give up. And I'm angry with the Lord. I'm, I'm like, God, you haven't done it. I mean, I've done this thing for 12 years. Like, you just haven't done it, God. And that wasn't, you know, the end of it. I mean, to be honest, the story I'm telling is pretty small compared to a lot of people in this room. Like, if I think of really the depth of disappointment of some people in this room, like, I'm just sharing where I'm coming from, but your stories need to be heard. You know, Abigail, uh, uh, Abby Ford standing up here on Sunday. Are you here, Abby, somewhere? That was just like one of the most heroic things I've seen. Thank you so, can we just give her a round of applause? That was, that was just amazing. Like, I'm not trying to make it about my story. I'm simply trying to let you guys into the reality. And I think, I, I came back from sabbatical and honestly, I, I didn't assume that this was for the body, but I started to feel the Father saying, hey, what I've been doing in you may be for some other people. And, uh, you know, even deeper than the like disappointment over the transformation of lives and communities was, you know, every day wondering, should I ask my wife today how she feels? Because for four years, she feels terrible every day. And so as a husband, you make this choice. Should I ask her how she feels and then Here's my process. How do you feel? I don't feel so good. And right then I put a wall up so that to self-protect myself from not going down the slopes of disappointment. Because if I embrace it, I feel like then who, neither of us is going to stand. And then I feel God saying, hey, talk to me about the disappointment. And then I'm like, but you're the guy that can do something about it. So why do I want to talk to you about it? Can we just be like, flat, honest about that? Wait, you can heal her. He's like, I'm with you. And so I'm going to preach on hope this week. And one place I've seen breakthrough in Julie, last May, God said she's healed of migraines. When we moved into this building, migraines sent her to the hospital. She was having them every two days. And God said, she's healed of migraines. And from that day, first week of May, until Thursday night, this week, in the middle of the night, she had had no migraines. She wakes up in the middle of the night in excruciating pain, and I'm holding her in the middle of the night. Of course, on the week that I'm going to talk about hope. Two days before that, my seven-year-old gets her first migraine, Selah, ever. And Julie walks out of the room. She's throwing up. And Julie says, it was seven when I started getting migraines. And I'm like, no! Hope resilience training. Will I live with a 
Well, one day Julie will be healed in heaven, hope. Yes, and amen, I will. But eternity started when my heart was born again in the resurrection. So to have a heaven-based hope without a living hope where I can look at my wife every day and say, I hope for your ultimate good. That is the tension that we live in. Right? And I don't know where you're at in your story right now. Maybe it's around calling or a loved one or some place. But this tension in the story of God, every one of these leaders has faced it. Abraham, against all hope, as good as dead in his body, a wife that is barren, 25 years he's waiting, and all he gets at the end of his life is one son and a burial plot in the land, right? Deep. Can you hear David, who never got to build the temple, saying, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Therefore, take heart and wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Can you hear the tension? I would have lost my heart back there if I didn't hold hope today in the goodness of God. Moses promised to go in, stands and looks only at, his, at the promised land and never gets to go. Hannah, who, who is barren and crying out to God, getting hit with disappointment after disappointment. Jeremiah and Hosea. Jeremiah says, my head is a fountain spring of tears. Who can console me? As he watches his people lose their king and their temple and their land. I'm starting to believe that to be a saint, it has everything to do with how you deal with disappointment. And I believe that how we deal with disappointment, what we do when disappointment comes, and none of us will escape it, defines our present and it utterly defines our future. What will we do with that body blow? And what will we do with that voice that aims to rob and to ruin and to break our trust in the only one who is life, the only one who is hope? And that is the battleground in our heart. You can see Peter with the wind knocked out of him as he denies the one he loves. You can see John the Baptist sitting in a prison going, I'm not even sure if you're, you're the one anymore. I don't know. You can see those hopeless travelers on the way and it said they had hoped that the Messiah was there. This deep, intense, crushing disappointment. They all face the deepest pain and what you see in them is airing out their frustrations, giving their complaints, giving them to the Father. Where else will I go? You can hear Jesus saying, in this world you will have trouble. But don't worry. I have overcome the world. We live in a fallen world where things don't go the way we thought or even the way God designed. Where sin and death have been conquered, but they're still real. They hit us and they smash our hearts with pain. 
We live waiting. It says anchored in hope at the right hand of the Father, firm and secure. Hope cannot die because it's a man named Jesus. But this tension is what forms us in Christ. Can you hear Paul? He said, we have this treasure in jars of clay that the surpassing greatness is not of ourselves, but of God. We are hard pressed on every side. Have you felt that? Being pressed in by life's circumstances? But he says, we're hard pressed, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed but we will not go to despair. We are persecuted, but we have not been abandoned by God. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. He said, though there is death at work in my body, inwardly I am being transformed day by day. And he said, these light. Are you kidding me, Paul? Have you read Paul's life? These light and momentary afflictions are producing for you a weight of glory eternally that far exceeds anything you can go through. Therefore, fix your eyes on what is unseen, not on what is seen. For what is unseen is eternal, but what is seen is temporary. Can you hear Paul in Romans 5 saying, set your heart on hope, rejoice in that hope, and also rejoice in your sufferings. What? For your sufferings produce perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character what? Hope. And hope will not disappoint you. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in your heart by who? The Holy Spirit, the wellspring of life. And so we're saying, God, get me out of the suffering. And he's saying, suffering is producing hope. And this is a tension. And in the middle of the night, as she's in excruciating pain, grabbing her head, she says, what do we say? Why is this happening? And why is God so silent on that question? It's just really hard. Why is this happening? I just don't see in the story him ever answering that question and it pisses me off. Have you read Job? We want to know why. But the answer he gives is so much more than I can imagine. He said, I'm going to answer with my own flesh. I am going to embrace your rejection. I am going to absorb your pain. I am going to put utter God-forsakenness on display in front of the universe. The resurrection, private. The incarnation, private. But what has God put on display for all the universe to see? The greatest disappointment and defeat. The God-forsakenness There is something in this where we want to understand. But the the answer doesn't come to help us understand. But God says back to your heart, I understand. Here's my answer in my flesh. 
in your place. So that those who are suffering say, Jesus knows what I feel. And this is the tension that we grapple with. Disappointment is so real and so deep. And I believe that stories that remain unresolved on this side of eternity will be resolved. And I believe that stories that are sown, lives that are sown to hope, cannot return empty. There's a greater hope. And the question is, can we keep our hearts open to hope? Hope is a father that holds you in his hand and will not let you go. Hope is a savior that says, I have seated you with me at the right hand of the father. Hope is a spirit that is bursting inside of you. Hope is alive because his name is Jesus. And in this place, there is hope for us. The question is, will we allow him into these places of our heart? in a very real way, to open our hearts to trust, looks like this. We refuse to allow the enemy to distance us from the one who actually can hold our heart. Some of you are like me. You don't even know what's in there. I was clueless. And when I look back over my life, I see trauma after trauma after trauma of disappointment and frustration and hopelessness from as far back as I can see. Some of us don't know, but to run away from the Father, that is to lose. The Father says, will you trust me? Will you pour out your heart to me? Like, I can see it. Let me have it. And this hope thing, it can't be born alone. We are found in a father as we come to him. But I'm telling you, you can't allow disappointment to divide you from the family of God. You will lose. We are not meant to do disappointment alone. We are found in a father, but we are formed in a family. And we are, are invited to entrust our hearts to the Father in the family, to trusted people who can listen to our pain, not to give answers, not to be Job's friends, but to be there in Christ, the anchor of our hope. And if you're alone in your disappointment right now, I want to invite you to entrust your heart to the Father and to entrust your heart to the family. I believe this is what we are made for. I want to read this closing scripture again. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope, do you feel this rising in this place? May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. I need to pause there because 
you may not hear a sermon. In fact, you probably won't and be okay. And that's okay. I'm not asking you to apply a Bible verse to your deepest pain and disappointment. I'm asking you to give your heart to a father and entrust it to a family. Over time, I believe that the God of hope shall fill you with all joy and peace. I don't know if it'll be next week or next month or next year, but I am believing that if you sow your heart in trust to the God of hope, that just now, sometime, and I don't know and I don't often like his time, but just now, you will feel a wellspring of overflowing hope through the power of the person of the Holy Spirit coming up, not just for you, but for those around you. You will feel your birthright coming back online. You are created to be a overflowing hope carrier. It is your birthright. The enemy will do everything he can to steal that away from you and I. But greater is he that is in you than the one that is in the world. I want us to just close our eyes and I believe there's only one person that actually knows our heart and it's the one who created it. And if you would have the courage to do this, would you invite the Father of hope to show you if there's any layers of disappointment or places of pain Begin to invite him. We're going to spend the rest of this morning before the Father and with your eyes closed as He begins to show you your heart. If you're willing today to simply say, I trust my heart to you. I open my heart to you to drill down through the layers of disappointment to meet me in the places of pain that I know about or don't know about, to see a wellspring of hope come up after that is done. As you feel ready this morning, I want you to stand physically into the place of saying, I open my heart to you, the Father of hope. I open my heart to you, the only one who can steward my heart. And, and if you're not ready to do that today, we're on a long, slow journey. It's okay. But if you feel like you can open your heart, standing is that act of faith, just like the man who was by the waters that Sean told us about. It's to say, I open my heart to you, Father. I don't know when it'll be or how it'll be, but I believe I'm made for hope. 
not just for myself, but for the world. I'm made to give hope in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is moving powerfully right now. Not from the outside, but from the inside. The eternal wellspring of hope is a person who will never leave you because the Holy Spirit is in you. The helper, the counselor, the comforter, the God of springing up overflowing hope is within you. I bless you, those who are seated and those who are standing. I bless you. May the God of hope, 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 may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you have grace to trust Him with your heart. Grace, 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 grace to trust Him again with your heart. Grace to trust Him with your heart. And you will overflow with hope. You will overflow with hope. You will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know when, but you will overflow with hope. You will overflow with hope. A living hope and a blessed hope eternal. You will overflow with hope. I bless you to see and experience the unwavering, unchanging goodness of God. To overcome the one who robs and steals. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus says, don't worry. I have overcome the world. Continue to engage Him. As we begin to worship, just talk with the Father. There'll be people, if you need someone to pray with you, there'll be people to pray up front in a little bit. But as the Lord shows you deep places of disappointment, it's important that we exercise the muscle of lifting our gaze to hope again, of coming out of the deep place back up to the eyes of hope and doing that over and over and over again. To lift our hearts to the fountain of hope. And so Jesus as a church, we don't know where you're taking us, but we just say, here's our heart. Here's our heart. We trust you. Open our heart to hope.